We're back again with Dan Alexander. The last podcast with Dan was fantastic. It was so good we couldn't fit it into one podcast. So we're back to talk about some of the self-limiting beliefs that recruiters have that inhibit their ability to achieve their maximum potential. So we hope you enjoy the podcast and just follow us below and hopefully you'll enjoy not only this podcast, but we'll be back in the future too. How you doing? Welcome back. This is part two with Dan Alexander, the neuro recruiter. In the last show, we uh, looked at some of the self-limiting beliefs that recruiters have that stops them being successful. Uh, And what we're doing is taking some of those beliefs and having a little bit of a chat, sharing our thoughts and experience of how we can stop those thoughts holding back ourselves. So, hey, Dan, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me back, Alex. Great to see you again. I think everyone will work out we haven't really come back. We've probably just continued on. But, but the secret, about 10 seconds. I, I should have changed my shirt or something, shouldn't I? So, uh, so, so as, we, as we crack on, we're going to make this one a little bit shorter. But the self-limiting belief, I just can't get on the PSL, Dan. They do, it's just impossible to break the PSL. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think when you hear that? Do you even want to be on the PSL? <laughs> the oh, I love question. that response. I love that response. Yes. Does, else. Does, does being on the PSL mean that you can't help the organization? Um, and secondly, if it is really important for you to be on the PSL, um, if you, you know, if, if you do have to have to work to that framework, um, the six or the 10 other companies that are on it would say differently, right? So it's not the fact that you can't get on it. It's the fact that you haven't yet unlocked the code unlock that client in terms of you know, what they're looking for. Um, often it is sometimes timing. Sometimes it is a case of, you know, if you were trying to chop down a big, a huge oak tree, um, you've got to keep chipping away, keep chipping away, keep chipping away. And, and then all of a sudden that tree then falls. And sometimes breaking those PSLs can be a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, a lot of it is you've got to think about it. A PSL only breaks when the existing agreements can't deliver. And so you've got to often think, Who's on the PSL? So, for instance, if I was recruiting accountants and they had Hayes, Reed, uh, Michael Page, and Robert Half, I mean, what's the likelihood of them not coming up with the right candidates? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if I did operational audit for newly qualified chartered accountants, well, the likelihood is that like I struggle, everybody struggles, so there's going to be a chance. Uh, so there's there's more to it. There's more to it than that, but. But let's go back to your first comment, which is, do we really even want to be on a PSL? I mean, surely the being on a PSL is like the Nirvana, right? Like, no, wrong. just jobs coming in. Life is great. Why would I not want to be on a PSL? Why would you want to be in a PSL? And you've got you've got to understand here, who's the PSL good for, right? It, it drives competition. Um, it, it drives down prices. Um, the PSL is, is actually... Um, is actually a value objection. Um, and I think it's, it's a slightly different, if you understand the value that you, you bring, Alex, so I think that the PSL actually is, is, is self-limiting for a company. And by all means, it's, it's really an objection to get rid of the guys that are day one thinking, oh, they've got a PSL and I'll send an email. How does me sending an email solve your, you know, it, it doesn't. Um, what solves my problem is, is, is me filling that vacancy for you. Now, the, the I guess the the caveat to that is if everybody was coming at the same things that the, the PSLs exist for a reason and, and I get exactly why but they're not good for a recruiter typically and the second part of that as well Alex is the fact that you know if, if you truly understand the value that you're bringing um, if if I potentially spotted a uh, you know an organisation that, that had a had a vacancy open for 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 thirty days and let's say it's a sales vacancy and 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 that particular 
um, you know, you get a whiff that the, the quota is a million, you know, a million dollars, right? So a million dollars, divide that by 250 working days. Well, every day you're it's costing you $4,000. So, okay, I appreciate that I'm not on your PSL right now and I might be 10% more expensive than, you know, than the 15% guys that are on it. But at the same time, if I can shave off just, you know, just five days in the process, I've already covered my fee and more. So, you know, how urgent is this hire for you? And it, we need to bottle that, Dan. Let's bottle that. Let's, <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oh, everybody, that is world class, world class coaching. Uh, so how many people do you work with that you've actually got to say that, Dan? Uh, a lot. We work purely in sales. Um, that, that's, but it's understanding the value that you're adding, right? It's it's, it's about a value. And this is where it becomes more difficult because it's very easy to quantify what a salesperson can bring in for an organization. But if you're quote, if you're helping developers or or you're helping you know, accountants or whatever, you've got to understand the wider implications of, of that particular person in that business. And if if you know, I've made it my business to understand the value that a salesperson brings to an organization, if you're recruiting. Um, what's the impact of you not finding this person and how does it impact your bottom line? And if you don't know the answer to that question, I'm going to ask different people until I do understand that. And then I can then educate you. And that's about having a, a very, very, very high level discussion. But every single person in the business is about the value that they can bring and, and how they're going to add to the bottom line. I don't care if you're the janitor, if you're the cleaner, whatever, in some way, typically that that high and that head exists because it solves some sort of a problem, which which will lead to hopefully more money for the organisation. That that's the long and short of it. Cool. And 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 I think the key is is that by being on a PSL, you're just guaranteeing competition, and you're guaranteeing that they're probably going to treat you badly. So the measure so, of any PSL is is it going to help me make more money? Yeah. You know, and if I'm the only one within my discipline on there, then I might be up for that. If I get line manager contact or it's a license to hunt, so I can then be proactive in that then it might be worthwhile. But if I never get to speak to a human being, I'm uploading things to portals and I never get feedback, all it's doing is encouraging me to get bad relationships with my candidates and uh, and I'm not getting paid for my time. Yeah, 100%. And so... I think you've got to be a little bit disruptive, Alex. And I think you've you've got to, you know, and it's in the best interest of the client you're doing this typically. And providing you can actually help, right? Providing that is your core market and and that you do have candidates for it. Don't just go and 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 cause disruption because it's a little bit like getting a getting a retainer, right? Once you go and you know you, you deliver these massive promises, can you actually deliver on them? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. and if you also need a bit of a disruptive hiring manager, I think as well, because if you've got someone that toes the line that always keeps batting you back to HR, they're probably not going to be, be the rogue guy that helps you actually you know, break that account. Yeah. Um, okay. That's, uh, that's some good, some good advice there. I think I'll be copying that little clip out there. <laughs> I think we'll make, we'll make you famous with just with that one clip, <laughs> Dan. So the next limiting, uh, belief, uh, the client just wouldn't be open to someone with this experience. They told me what they want, that they only they only want someone with this experience. Yeah, this is this is interesting, right? Um, again, this is this is what you call a mind read, right? So where you say, like, okay, well, um, they won't be open to this. Well, how do you know, right? Have you had that conversation with the client themselves? Um, have you 
have you actually gone back and asked them and suggested them? And also, if you're presenting somebody that doesn't, maybe you've got five key criteria that you're looking for, right? And you're saying, right, I will only send people that have five out of five on those key criteria. Um, and then, again, the, the role gets filled and it gets closed and so we found the right person, Alex, and you go, okay, great. And you, you find out who that person is two, three months later on LinkedIn. And they're nothing what, like what they're looking for. And I think what's happened there is is another recruiter has done a better job than you of finding someone and finding someone that solves the problem doesn't just match the criteria. Um, it's like saying you know you're working you're a headhunter for a supermarket and they say right we want six foot tall um, people. It's a right okay well why is that important to you? And it's it's about qualifying right? Why is that important to you those six foot tall people? And he says well we need them to be able to reach the top shelf. So right okay well what if I found you a five foot person with a ladder? Would that also solve your problem? And I think, well, yeah, maybe it would, right? So it's about the trusted advice. Back to that piece again, it's about you challenging that client. But also, you've got to understand if you do open the brief up, um, if you do blow up the the, the, the criteria um, and someone comes back in with a laser search and says, right, okay, well, this is five out of five, you're also going to lose the race in that scenario more times than, than not as well. So, but that's okay. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's the... That's the key, because if we had five out of five and we had five of them, life would be brilliant. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so, so we've got to, we've got to weigh up. Also, I think the a lot of times we we want to give clients what they want rather than what they're going to get. Mm. And so, so I think the, the 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 ninja tip I always give people when you present candidates is not to say I've got someone for you, but I'd like I've got someone for you to consider. Yeah. You know, and when you present a candidate, you present them what they've got that's good. And what they've got the bad. So a client might want capital A, capital B, capital C, and you might go, well, they've got little A, big B, little C. What are your mm, thoughts? Mm. You know, and uh, oh, they've got a bit of E. I don't know whether that's of interest to you. Uh, and it's and it's just letting them know. So a lot of this is driven by how urgent is this role to fill. If they can wait a year for the for the purple squirrel to land, then mm. then it might be best for you to jog on and just use it as a passive. Like if someone passes me by, I'll give you a shout. Yeah. Uh, but but it is about that. I, I, I was doing a session yesterday for a business and we talked about specking to open vacancies. Mm. And and it was and they were like, oh, what's that? Surely we just send candidates. Like, no, no, no. It's like it's we we take the job and we find someone that's got two out of three and we go, what do you think? Mm. You know, and, and uh, I, I'm a, a director I used to work with is a really charismatic American guy. He always used to go, guys, do you know Meatloaf? Do you know a guy called Meatloaf? He's, a, he's an American pop star, a rock star, rock star. And he goes, uh, so he had this song, two out of three ain't bad. You know, and it's just the same when you're working a job. You know, they might say they want A, B, and C, but if you've got A and C, just call them and say, hey, two out of three ain't bad. It was his, uh, it was the meatloaf principle of, uh, and, 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 and I think part of that is where the mindset of recruitment comes in is the fact that, We've always got to be testing the limits of what clients want yeah. and what they're willing to accept. And it's possible to do that professionally incredibly by saying, look, you want this. I can only find this. What are your thoughts? And the other thing as well, Alex, on that is you're exactly right. And the better that you understand the client and, and the dynamics in the team, um, the more you can spot those abstract fits. And you can see, do you know what? This guy is nothing what you've asked me for, but I think you should meet him anyway. Um, 
Yeah. So, so on this on this, on this on this point, Dan, we're opening up the lid of why you should meet clients face to face. But I'm oh, gonna yeah. I'm gonna close the lid <laughs> on that one because I will just step on my soapbox and break into a monologue. Well, you wouldn't uh, re- you wouldn't recommend a restaurant you'd never eaten in, right? <laughs> Careful, we're gonna sound like dinosaurs soon. <laughs> Human beings in recruitment, physical contact. Oh my goodness, leave it alone, leave it alone. It's all digital, baby, digital. Uh, like, do you know, there's, a, there's a program on Amazon called American Gods. And it's like the new gods versus the old gods. So the old gods are people like Thor and Shiva and, and sort of Zeus. And then you've got the new gods that are like media and social. And, and it's sort of, and it's just the, it's the new gods versus the old gods. And and uh, I know I know uh, a lot of people preach that that humans don't have a role in recruitment anymore, but life is much more enjoyable when you've when you've met people. But uh, number eight, I don't feel comfortable calling switchboard. Have you actually heard this one? Oh yeah, <laughs> the amount of headhunters that don't want to headhunt—it's uh, it's incredible. Um, and I think that as as technology moves forward and as as more powerful tools come out, you know, like the, the, the lushes of the world and the, you know, the Mahibas and the zoom in automatically capture, um, people's contact information. And, and it's about creating a, an inbound strategy with, with passive, you know, passive talent and, and a personal brand. And, and actually, you know, I've, I've got, you know, 500 email credits that I haven't used yet and I've got emails and, um, and I've got more roles than I know what to do with. Um, People are less and less and less, uh, you know, doing the things that made people successful in the olden days. And I think as as you know, as technology disrupts, um, I would double down on the things that less people are doing. And the reason why you're not comfortable doing it is because you've probably never done it before. And if you have done it, you've not had success. So let me show you success. Let me show you what that looks like. Um, you, if you're doing the things and the avenues that other people aren't doing to reach the candidates that, that you need to reach to, then you're going to get results. You're going to get that person on the phone. Um, I don't care so, who you so, are. But, but Dan, they're going to be sitting at their desk. If they're a developer, like you can hear a pin drop, although arguably everyone's generally sitting there with headphones on listening to their own music. So yeah, they could probably talk really openly, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to be a headhunt call. How would you approach a headhunt call? That just that opens up the call in a way which is non-threatening, professional, and sort of moves us towards a call outside of the outside of the office environment. Yeah, hundred percent, Alex. You've got to be empathetic to the situation, right? Um, so, like, I appreciate, of course, at your desk. I appreciate you probably can't. Are you in a position to speak openly right now? I'm going to get um, you to start again, Dan, because at that point, okay, the, the signal cut. So start again. So, so, so uh, it's I, about. I appreciate. Em- yeah, so I, I appreciate I've called you at your desk. Um, I, I understand that you're, you you may not be in a position to speak right now. Um, can you speak openly? Yes or no, right? And if, if they can't speak, you could say it depends on the pitch, right? It depends on the company. But I could say, right, okay, if you can't speak, then then can you listen for a few minutes? Um, and if it's no, right, I would give you a reason why I'm not selling on that call. What I'm selling on that call is the next call. So what, what I want is, is is three or four minutes of your time to talk to you about an opportunity. And it may be that you're not looking. I'm not sure, but the best guys are never looking, right? So um, qualify this in, qualify it out. What time do you finish work today? I'll get you in the car. 
what's the best number, right? So, um, so your goal from that call is not to sell them the job. The goal is to get another four or five minutes with them at the end of the day. I think that's always your objection on, objection on that call. Even if they're not, even if it's a, and it's like, right, okay, well, um, you can, if the person's openly talking to you, then, then again, it's about the EQ piece, right? It's about understanding and being empathetic with that situation. But put yourself in their shoes. If you are a developer and you are sitting at your desk and someone started asking you about, okay, well, you know, what the next role would need to look like for you to move, um, you would, wouldn't have that conversation. So why do we call them up and headhunt? Oh, I'm a headhunter. I've got this great role. I was wondering, you know, how would you be to an opportunity right now? And the guy's like, I can't talk. It's not the right time for me because his boss is standing over his shoulder. So if you don't show empathy in that situation, um, the guy's yeah. going to think you're pretty shit anyway and probably not going to want to speak to you. So yeah. if you, I think it's it's also about keeping your powder dry and about talking about the fact that, um you know, there is an opportunity and you're not going to pitch them right there and then. But Dan, it's taken me ages to get them on the phone. And if I, if I say to them, I'll speak to them this evening, they might not return the call. And then I've lost the opportunity to to talk to them about the job. (laughs) Yeah. It's about growth mindset, Alex. It's about the fact that, you know what, if, if they still don't want to talk to you on that phone call, then, um, then maybe they aren't the right candidate. Maybe they are the one that's going to marry their boss in, in that scenario. So um, if you give them, again, this goes back to the whole getting hold of people. If you give them a good enough reason to want to have that conversation with you, then it's about you've got to give these guys a bit of sizzle on, on, on the opportunity and, and, you know, kind of you need to give them the headlines, right, and, and highlight as to what they're going to get out of it. My, uh, I used to sell educational books door to door in America when I was at university. And uh, one of the first things was when you were trying to get into the house to sell the books, you'd say, remember, you've got to sell the sizzle, not the steak. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Same cool. thing. Nice one. So uh, and last one, but not least, because I mean, to be fair, I'm pretty good at this one is that uh, I don't have time to do business development. <laughs> I don't have time to put things on the system. I don't have time to... Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, right? Um, it's funny that we've all got the same amount of hours in the day. Um, so, how important is that activity for you? Um, and we don't uh, we don't manage time. I think we create time. And I think you've got to you've got to understand it's about priorities, right? And if you look at the the, the very best in any field of what they do, if you look at um, let's look at American football, you look at you know Tom Brady, you look at um, yeah, you look at football, and you look at you know Ronaldo, and or you look at um, uh, you, you look at say Steph Curry, Golden State Warriors basketball team, and you want, you look at the elite in any level. They're normally good at maybe one or two things, and they don't do the other things. So it's about understanding about prioritization. That's the most important thing. What's the most important thing for you to do at any one time? And if it's if it's not important, then why are you doing it? So for me, it's just about it's about priorities, Alex. Yeah. And, it, and, and I've, 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 I mean, it's difficult. I mean, my, in my job, I've got, when I'm delivering training, as you know, like you disappear for two days, nothing yeah. happens, like nothing happens. And it's, it's trying to pick something whereby every day you can feel I've done something proactive today, mm. you know, and that's just, have I chased a lead? Have I done a blog? Have I done a post? Have I done something where I can feel good about the fact that I've tried to help me tomorrow when I'm focusing on trying to deliver today? Yeah. Uh, and it's just that that's really that's about your own accountability. And and then when I get that one, I you've got to sort of go, well, how how much do you really want to succeed? Because yeah. these are things that have to be done. If you don't make time for this, like yeah. if you don't make time for business development, you're never going to have enough vacancies. 
If you don't make time for business development, you're always going to be working bad jobs. You're yeah. always going to have a roller coaster performance. So if you want a roller coaster performance, if you want to be working with clients <laughs> that don't really want to recruit, then this is the perfect way to go about it. Isn't it funny how people don't have time for the activities that they feel uncomfortable doing? Um, mm, and the curious, question, the question you, you've got to is, you know, is your comfort more important than your success? Because ultimately, um, it's about stepping outside of your comfort zone, right? Um, the guy, um, I'm not a massive fan of him, but I think some of his uh, some of his, his teachings are very good. Grant Cardone, and he says that you know, you, sh- you should be looking actively looking for that feeling that makes you feel uncomfortable, and that's probably an indicator of what you should be doing. Well, I, uh, I'm reading a book with my son at the moment called You Are Awesome by Matthew Syed. Nice, yeah. Uh, and it's a, it talks about the growth mindset. Yeah. Uh, but obviously it's delivered in a super simple way for like an eight or nine-year-old. It's brilliant. <laughs> like, it's like he's talking about like neural pathways and like you should, you want to make your practice harder. The harder you make your practice, the deeper the neural pathway is, 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 is etched, you know? And like, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. So like, it's because, because that's hard, isn't it? It's like, it's hard to, I mean, my favorite little booklet of all time is the common denominator of success by a guy called Albert N. Gray. Okay. Uh, and he talks about habits and he's basically he's an insurance salesman from the 1930s. Mm. And some, one of the quotes he says is that if we don't consciously form good habits, we subconsciously form bad ones. Yeah. Uh, I love and, that. and it also talks about the fact that most successful people don't enjoy the things that you don't, don't enjoy the same things you don't enjoy, but they mm. want the things that they do want more than they don't enjoy those things. And I, I remember, I mean, as you can see, I'm not built for power sports, but I remember being at uni and I had a friend of mine who was like men's health and fitness sort of body. And I was like, mate, mate, tell me the secret. How do you enjoy going to the gym? And he goes, I hate going to the gym, but I hate going to the gym less than I'd hate having a body like yours. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and that's the, that's really what we're trying to, we're trying to trying to get our head around, and with all that, I mean, this is the summary of all the limiting beliefs. Really, it's, it's these about, are only the ones I could think about, right? This is this is uh, there are, there are probably hundreds, thousands more out there that you know I, I couldn't think of at the time where I was writing that that post, and um, it's about for me, it's about understanding language, Alex. It's about understanding where these violations are and the things that you say that um, that aren't actually necessarily necessarily true. Um, and it's then about how you challenge those, those particular, you know, those particular, um, I guess you call them like violations, right. Of, of, of language. And, um, you've only got two things, right. You've got the language that you use and you've got the pictures that you make in your head. Um, and that kind of all there is, right. Um, so if, if the language that you're using isn't, isn't actually empowering language or it's, and it's, it's limiting language. And when you go to pick up the phone call, you envisage, you know, the, the CEO having a go at you or shouting or, or saying, you know, or belittling you. Of course, you're not going to want to do that, right? <laughs> it's 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 completely sense. So um, for me, this there's there's so much to this. I think there's there's almost you've got recruitment training, and you, you've got like an entire entire content you can build around. You know, kind of okay, well, beyond 101, beyond once you've done recruitment, you understand that. Then you're talking about things like you've touched on, like habits and neural pathways. Um, it's like field of grass, and the first time you do something, you, you walk. You know, but the more you do it, and then eventually you keep walking through that same field, and, and you've you've beaten a track. 
and the, the more you, you beat that track, the, the easier it is to then walk that path, right? So, and, and you're so in the process of doing that at the moment in terms of building your own brand through social media and posting, engaging on LinkedIn and, yeah, it's, and that it's sort of stuff. So, hobby, right? <laughs> I'm really passionate about this. And I think that, you know, there's, um, there are people like yourself that have, have been out there and, and, and have really defined the recruitment, um, recruitment training sector and, um, I'd be a massive fraud if I was the one saying, right, okay, well, here's what I know in, in my six, seven years in, in recruitment, right? But um, what I do know is is what I've experienced personally is the fact that when I that and that's the bit that I'm exploring right now. I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a massive, 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 you know, uh, potential market out there for it. And, um, but for me, I think it's just, it's just about helping people. And, um, I've got an agenda. Absolutely. Um, but, but my, my agenda right now is, um, is, is, is how, how can I help more recruiters? Right. And the more, well, look what you can get from an hour in terms of this sort of thing between you and I Well, imagine if we were working together one-on-one, right. What, what would you achieve in, in, in over the course of six months, a year, two years. And that's kind of where I'm coming from, Alex. But I think there's, there's a, there's a massive, massive, uh, um, you know, but L and D 2.0 is, is, is on the way, right? I think that this is open and sharing of information that you and I are having today. And I've, I've learned buckets for, from you, um, even in this, in this hour, there are books that I've not heard about or read or the, the way that you articulate things. And I think that the more, knowledge sharing we can do that the, the the more we can drive standards in this industry and for me and, and that's the heart of the recruiting gym i'm a believer that that learning comes from community and it and as you learn as much from your peers that you sit next to as you do from the man in the room that's standing in front of the projector so yeah Dan, you've been fantastic uh, on both of the shows and uh for everyone that's listening you can find dan alexander unsurprisingly on linkedin uh <laughs> He posts really engaging posts that really challenge. I always find challenges me to think about just just around thoughts, around uh, mindset, around calling out sort of the status quo. So please follow him. Uh, Make sure you comment because there's always things to learn. And what's great about Dan's following is that there's loads of other great trainers and influencers that follow as well. So actually through one of his posts, you can get insights from eight, nine, 10, 20 uh, great sort of individuals from across the industry. So, Dan, it's been fantastic. I really appreciate your uh, your involvement, and uh, I'm sure our paths will cross again soon. Thanks for having me on, Alex. Dan is amazing. I love speaking to Dan about self-limiting beliefs. I love talking about the mental side of recruitment rather than just the technical side of recruitment. So much about our performance as recruiters depends upon not what we do, but actually how we see what happens to us on a day-to-day basis. Shakespeare said, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes us so. And that's never been more the case than when you work at desk in recruitment. There's plenty of bad things happen, but it's really how you handle those bad things that differentiates you. The Recruiting Gym is the global hub for recruitment learning. And whilst you can follow this podcast and track us week to week here, we'd love to see you in the gym at recruitinggym.com, where you can access free training content, back catalogue of webinars and learning tips to help you achieve your potential, whether you be working in-house or for an agency. We look forward to seeing you soon.